My name is Mimi Bouchard, and I'm a personal development junkie that is here to help you transform your life so that you can truly tap into your ultimate potential. I'm a meditation teacher and a podcaster, and in this podcast, I am raw, I am real, and I share everything I possibly can to make this journey of self-discovery and transformation easier for you. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Margie Worrell, and Margie is a coach, and she specializes in psychology and helps people become the best version of themselves. And we can go into so many different (laughs) topics here. I want to talk about anxiety. I want to talk about, you know, practicing micro habits that can really help relieve stress and anxiety from your life. You specialize in talking about that. We can talk about the imposter syndrome. You know, you, you specialize on talking about creative ways that that we can really sharpen our talents and just become the best version of ourselves possible. So welcome Dr. Margie. Thank you so much for coming on. It's awesome to be with you, Mimi. So I would love to hear just a tiny bit about your background before we get into all the good actionable tips for the audience. I I would love to hear just how you started in this field. Yeah, great question. Well, I mean, I grew up uh, in the deep, deep South from, I'm from rural Australia. And um, so my Aussie roots have a big, obviously have been very formative for me in in my approach to life. I, I have a big sense of adventure, but I started out actually in business, studying business. I went to university and worked in the corporate world. But then while living in Papua New Guinea in my 20s, um, which was all part of just kind of being adventurous with my life, I decided to change course and went back and started studying psychology and then discovered coaching when it was pretty new. So over 20 years ago, and um, and that took me down a whole other path, which I've been on ever since in between having four kids and living around the world in lots of different countries and traveling in lots of different countries. I love travel. And, and, you know, the number one thing that I found time and time again, that holds us back and that I've struggled with myself is just fear of failing, of looking foolish, of not being good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, uh, worthy enough. And it's why I do the work I do around helping people be braver with their lives particularly women. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. So what are the top things that you love to share when it comes to enhancing our lives? You know, there's so many things we could get into, but what do you really swear by? Is there, you know, a handful of things that you do daily that you tell your clients that you tell the women that you coach, you know, you got to do this. It helps you. Well, it's part of why I wrote actually my book, You've Got This, because I find myself saying, particularly to women, um, you've got this, (laughs) like trust yourself more and doubt yourself less because, and, and and that takes sometimes stepping back and just noticing where you're buying into that voice inside your head that's saying, you're not enough in some way, or it's saying, oh, don't do it. What if you fail? And who are you to do that? Who are you to have a podcast, write a book, um, you know, meet an awesome person? Um, And so I often feel that too often we just buy into those stories that we tell ourselves in our heads and those that little voice of criticism and of self-doubt, and we let it sit in the driver's seat. 
And so, I, you know, the number one thing I say to people is don't wait to feel confidence. Don't wait to feel brave. Don't wait until you think you know what you're doing or you feel like you can't fail. Like just take that leap of faith in yourself. And Beyonce had a quote that I, I actually included in and you've got this because I think it's one that we so need to practice. And that is, she said, I'm not much one to gamble, but if I'm going to make a bet, I'll make a bet on myself. And I think we all need to make a bet on ourselves, but I think as women we often hold back because we're afraid and we're afraid that we're, we, we lack what it takes. And I, and, I, and I think part of that's just the cultural environment that we've grown up in. I know I grew up without any strong female role models, um, but just those kind of gendered beliefs that we, we have and we get so we have so much self-doubt and we buy into that about how we look and um, is a big one. And I think it just totally gets in the way of us living, really living powerful, empowered lives. Wow. So insightful. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, so many people listening right now probably deal with self-confidence issues. I think as women, that's a very consistent thing that we deal with. And, you know, saying just do it and and putting yourself out there and just going before you even think you're ready is such powerful advice. Do you also believe in that kind of theory of like acting as if, you know, for me, I personally always in the past when I didn't feel good enough and I didn't feel like I deserved that life and, and I wanted to really embody the energy of this future version of myself I wanted to be, I would always act as if and just pretend fake it till you make it type of thing. Is that some tool that you use or are there other tools that you use to help people just like go and do it, you know? Yeah. So one, I think that is, and, and I've actually heard people be critical of that. I'll just, that yeah, act me as, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it's simplified and it's fluffy. I saw someone do that, say that yesterday and I, I didn't want to get into a, like a Twitter spat with them, but I strongly disagree. And there's a ton of research by the way, that, that actually, that validates the the thinking behind that. And so this idea that first act, then believe is something I like to say. You know, it's 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 nice to go, oh, well, I'm gonna just believe I'm 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 worthy, or I'm gonna just believe I'm I, I can do anything I want. Actually, no, the only way you get to the belief to really knowing that you truly are enough and can do amazing things is by acting as though you believed you could. And and the, and, and the kind of the, the self-efficacy theory that was studied by a psychologist called Albert Bandura is that, is that experiential learning, by literally giving yourself permission to learn as you go, to start before you feel ready and to not do things perfectly, you know, to give the presentation or to put yourself out there or for me to get up and give a speech or write a book before long before I felt like I was masterful at that that's actually that that builds confidence as you go along you you get better at it but you also learn well this works and this doesn't work doesn't work but also the ground didn't open up beneath me and I I wasn't swallowed up and actually actually it wasn't as bad as I thought it might have been or actually maybe I'm actually better at this than I thought I would be. Right. And so I to anyone listening, and if there's something that you kind of want to do, but you don't, and you procrastinate and you kind of go, oh, well, now's not the right time. And I'll do another course or I'll I'll wait until I've got another qualification or until I'm feeling more sure of myself or until I've lined up all my ducks in a row or until I have more friends who are supporting me. 
blah, 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 or until I have a business plan, I would just say, do not wait. Just don't wait because you learn and you grow by doing, not by thinking, but by doing. And so often we, we, we kind of want to think we, we know exactly what we're doing before we start the doing. Right. And, um, and I don't know about you starting your podcast. I have a podcast too, which I put on pause when I, I moved from Singapore back to the United States six months ago. But if I had waited, like everything I've done, having four kids, for goodness sake, if I had waited till I knew how to manage being a parent to four kids and having a career, I would never have had four kids, <laughs> you know. You know, it's by being able to give myself permission to be an imperfect mother, and I know that those who are listening to you are probably a lot younger than um, me. But I would we just have a say, lot of moms that listen. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think so often we get in our own way because we think we have to be a perfect mother, and we think our kids have to behave perfectly or look perfect and be, you know, dressed perfectly, and our house has to look perfect. And I'm like, no, just totally ditch this idea that things are supposed to look perfect or you're supposed to be perfect at something. It, it's it holds us back in such profound ways. Mm, beautiful. And just going back to the part that you said about just starting now, I love that saying, um, if your first product is good, you started too late. <laughs> I, I love that too. And it ties in. Actually, I there's a wonderful book by a woman called Annie Lamott. And I, I, I actually, I read it before I wrote my, my latest book, You've Got This. And I, I included a quote from hers and which is, give yourself permission to write a shitty first draft. Because only when you write a shitty first draft can you actually then write a slightly less shitty second draft and then, you know, a half average third draft and then ever get to actually something that's brilliant. And I, I, I write, I post videos online on my, whether it's Insta or it's LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, and I, I write articles. And literally this morning I was looking at a blog post I wrote and I was like, oh, gosh, I can see how I could have written that better. But, you know, if I waited till I had everything perfect, I, I would never do anything. And, and so I, I, I think women tend to fall into the trap of feeling that they have to be perfect at things or have to look perfect. And I, and I think I know if I kind of keep chiming back in on physical appearance, but it's such a massive, as Brene Brown says, the number one shame trigger for women is, is around our appearance, that we're supposed to have a body that looks a certain way. And I remember years ago when I was in Europe and going to one of those museums and it's all the Renaissance women with the round curvy hips and the, you know, voluptuous bums and yeah. the, you know, cellulite on their thighs and going, oh, my God, I would have fitted in so well, you know, back 400 years ago. I With the, you know, the belly that, you know, wasn't perfectly flat. And and how much we sort of think we're supposed to conform to some idealized image of what beauty is or what the ideal woman is versus just own your unique difference and your unique beauty and your unique talents and your unique story, um, complete with all of the hardships that you've had to go through and the hard times. And don't let those things be your identity. But embrace them as part of the story of who you are because no one else is where you are, who you are, experienced what you have or has your personality and your passions. Right. And and if and I think so often we get caught 
in comparisons, in this pattern of negative comparisons and looking over and going, oh, I should be more like Mimi or I wished I was more like Susie or I wished I was more. And it's like, you know, let go, like ditch what anyone else is like and just run your best race and Mm -hmm. make the most of what you have because every moment that you spend looking over at other people at what they're doing and how their lives are going and, and where they're, you know, what they're good at um, and making negative comparisons to what they're good at with what you're not good at, where they're probably looking at you going, man, I wish I was as creative as you or as, you know, as athletic as you or whatever. And just get on. Every moment you do that, you're not getting on with making the most of who you are and where you are. Absolutely. And don't you think that confidence truly just comes from your energy and and how you present yourself and how you hold yourself and speak, you know, even if we're not supermodel looking or whatever it is, or we don't have that partner or that career, that job, we don't have, you know, those eyebrows, whatever it is that we're feeling insecure about. Isn't it so true that someone that doesn't have those things that just presents themselves in a way that oozes confidence and self-love and just certainty that speaks volumes. Cause I've met incredibly beautiful women and I start speaking to them and you can just tell that they're really not confident. And that actually makes them, you know, on the attraction scale, less attractive, right? Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I couldn't agree more. We are at the end of the day as humans, I know that our physical appearance is one aspect of who we are. And we live in a world that's very um, caught up in physical appearances. But as we get older, our appearance change too. So if your identity is dependent on your looks, you're going to spend, I mean, you're only going to be getting older. And I mean, you can do whatever you want to make yourself look look younger. And, you know, I put on my makeup and, you know, color my hair because I now have some grays. But, but if your identity is hinging on that, you're going to spend your entire life insecure. And we are most attracted to the energy of people, as you say, and people who are at home with themselves, Mm. people who are at home with themselves, who own, who can own their beauty, but they're not, they don't objectify themselves. They're like, they're just, they are who they are. They like take care of themselves. And I know that too for myself, you know, I'm attracted to people who radiate a positive energy, who aren't insecure, who aren't trying to impress or to prove, and they're not trying to preen themselves all the time. They're not posturing. They just, they just radiate, um, you know, being grounded in their own worthiness and their just love of people and love of life and they're authentic and they're real and they're vulnerable um, and they can share where they struggle, but but they're not talking themselves down and they're certainly not talking other people down either. Absolutely. We've all met a guy that probably isn't super duper attractive, but when he starts speaking and if he's super confident, then you're like, wow, who is this person? We've all met and for women too. But um, for me, I'm talking about, you know, attraction wise, I'm in a long-term relationship and he's gorgeous as well. But, you know, in the past I've met men and I'm like, oh, wow. You know, I didn't think I'd find you this attractive <laughs> and yeah. they end up being a lot more because it's just, it really is a personality thing. Looks are, are instant. Sure. But how you are and how you speak and how you make others feel, it's pretty much most yeah. of it in my eyes. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I get heck, I remember, well, I've been actually married a long time, like 27 years. Oh so um, 
Yeah. And, um, and, and I, and I, I mean, I've still had crushes, like even as a married person, doesn't mean I don't get a, I see guys are like, Oh, he's handsome. Yeah. You know, like I'm human. (laughs) Um, And my husband always hears about it too. He's always like, you don't have to tell me every guy you think is straight. I'm like, Oh, I just want to make sure like, you know, I'm getting relieving any guilt here, but, but because, you know, I, but I, 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 what I was going to say is that I remember I used to have a crush a week when I was younger. My daughter, who's 22 now, is she sort of followed through on me. She's got a different crush every week. I'm like, oh, who is it this week that you're madly in love with? And next week, oh, my God, they're so boring. And she's moved on. <laughs> and um, because, you know, you get attracted to the looks often. That's all you can see. And then, yeah, but what else is there? And then you and, make them up to be something in your mind that they actually aren't. And then you're like, yeah. oh, you're not that person. I mean, that's. <laughs> Some people just happen to be born with us an, an outer casing, an earth suit that just happens to be, you know, six foot yeah. four and strikingly good looking and other people yeah. aren't. But actually what's going on on the inside is really who you end up in a relationship with right. over the long haul. You know, who is the person underneath the exterior? And I know when I met my husband many years ago, actually 30 years ago, um, and uh, I, I remember meeting him and honestly, I didn't think he was particularly attractive, but I really just liked that he was very at home with himself. He was just, didn't have to prove anything. He wasn't like Mr. Charming. Um, I was just like, I just like that you just don't seem to have to prove anything to anyone. Um, And here we are 30 years later. And um, I mean, do I, of course I find him attractive, but it's not that, oh my God, he was the most handsome man I had ever seen. He was just a really solid guy that had a massive integrity and was just very grounded in his own worthiness. And that was really, that was attractive to me. And he was ambitious and he wanted to do great, big, exciting things with his life. Yes. All of that stuff. But um, I think sometimes we can, we get it, we, we get attracted to certain aspects of somebody, but they're not necessarily this, the traits that will lead us or set us up for a long-term, truly happy, emotionally intimate um, relationship, which is what it comes down to. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Since we're on this topic, I didn't realize it would go this way, but I love talking about relationships. <laughs> what are your top tips on, on you know, A, finding the guy for you? Because a lot of people listening, they're not in relationships and and maybe they're feeling lonely, especially, you know, during the time we're in, we're not socializing as much. And what yeah. would you kind of tell that woman? And then what would you also tell the other woman that may be listening that wants to make sure their current relationship goes well? Like, do you have any, you know, marriage tips yeah. or, you know, yeah. main relationship tips? Well, that's a great one. Actually, I did a whole podcast on this when we had, my husband and I had our 25th wedding anniversary um, on my Live Brave podcast. So I encourage people to go back and have a look. I think it's called What Make, Keeps Love Alive Over the Long Haul. Um, so it's it'll be a couple of years old now on my, my Live Brave podcast. But um, I've shared this with people numerous times because I do have people say to me, you know, you guys are, are really happily married and we've been married a long time. We've raised four kids. We've moved around the world. And I've never put myself out there as a relationship expert. It's just not where I've marketed. And, and But I have learned a lot over the, over the course of that time. And But to someone who is single, I always say, be the kind of person that the kind of person that you would love to attract would be attracted to. Like, are you showing up in the world as the kind of person that that person would be attracted to? You know, are you positive? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you 
just self-assured and and not insecure? Are you someone that doesn't have to prove? Are you, you know, just grounded enough in yourself that you're not clingy and needy? And um, I mean, that's not to say that you don't have needs and you don't have securities, but how are you showing up for people? And I think um, that's my number one thing. And put yourself in the kind of places that the kind of people that you would like to attract would be. And I know that we now live in a world of online dating, which didn't exist, you know, and Tinder and everything else these days didn't exist when I was, but, you know, like I said yes to lots of invitations. I went out to lots of things, you know, and it wasn't that I was actually looking at all to meet someone when I met my husband. In fact, I was actively very happy in my singledom. But um, I think the fact that I was so happy just in my singleton, it was kind of like, well, if I'm going to actually commit to being in a relationship with someone, it better be worth it because I'm giving up not going out with all these other people that I could be going out with. <laughs> so this better be worthwhile. But I think the happier you are in yourself, the more you're going to attract the kind of person that's also happy in themselves. But hey, you just your lives are better because you you're together. And so, um, but to people who are in a relationship, um, I really strongly feel that. Uh, we have to be continually committed to bringing out the best in each other. Um, But it starts with self-respect. And if you're in a relationship with someone where they don't treat you with respect, I would just say you have to ask yourself why you're in that relationship. Um, People need to treat you just just absolutely treat you with respect. And I think sometimes people find themselves in relationships where they don't feel valued and they don't feel appreciated and they don't feel respected. So why are you in that relationship? It should that the person you're with should be bringing out your best, but you have to be really working hard continually to bring out their best too. And when you fall down, as you absolutely will, because none of us are nice and patient and loving and generous all the time, own it, take responsibility, say sorry, apologize, seek to make amends, and just continually be open and sharing and forgiving. I just um, I think about how often my husband's had to forgive me over the years for not always being loving and kind and all those things that I want to be. And likewise, you know, I've had to compromise and we've supported each other. And I think just that constant openness um, and sharing and being vulnerable and like, this is what's going on for me. What you said was hurtful. And they're like, well, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize it would be so hurtful, you know, and like, okay, let's move forward and being really clear about what you want to create together. Absolutely. So I love what you said there. And I want to touch on both points. So going back to becoming the best version of yourself possible to then match who you want to be with. Um, one of the, my favorite things that this incredible doctor, Dr. Joe Dispenza, you probably heard of him, what he says, one of my favorite things he says about relationships, he says, take out a piece of paper and write down everything you want in a partner and then become that person. And then you'll attract it. And, yeah. um, and then touching on what you were just saying about, um, you know, communication in, in relationships. Like what I always say to my boyfriend when we fight is, you know, it's us against the problem, not us against each other. Right. And I think thinking of it that way, when you're in fights too, like it has helped me in my relationship so much as well. And of course I haven't been with him for almost 30 years, but, and that's commendable <laughs> that you've been in a 30 year relationship almost. It's amazing. And most people can't say that they, they can do that. So that's really great advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would also say 
we have both been committed to our personal own personal development. Like I'm obviously a bit of a personal development junkie. I've done so many courses and programs and live in retreats and things over the years. But when I've said to my husband, you know, I, 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 you, I just did this thing called Landmark Forum. I think you'd really, he's like, okay, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it, but you want me to do it. So I'll do it. And he's done it not because he wants to do it, but he's like, you think I should do it. I'll do it. And because he's not, he's not the self-help junkie that I am, but he's also been very willing to look within himself. And I think that, you know, that, that allows you to grow together. And the biggest thing that I see coming undone in relationships is one, people have got married for the wrong reason or got together for the they, they've got together and staying together for the wrong reason. And often it's women being insecure in themselves and they're settling. But then relationships, the wedges, they get pulled apart because both people aren't growing together and the conversations that need to occur don't occur. And, um, and I think that's really important. And when I talked about, you know, think about all the things you would be attracted to in a partner and then be that. I've heard people and I've, you know, I've seen it happen where someone's like, well, they really take good care of themselves and then they end up in a committed relationship and they just sort of, you know, and someone said to my husband just before we got married, take a good look at your wife because this is the best she's ever going to look. It's all down from heel from here. And and he he told me and I said, what a cynical, cynical thing to say. And I actually, honestly, I just think I just keep getting better looking as I get older. And I say that not in a conceited way. I hope it doesn't come across as conceited. Of course, I I don't look like I'm 24 anymore, which is how old I was when I got married. But but I just keep feeling, I feel feel awesome. And, um, you know, it's like I'm not trying to look 24 anymore because that would look ridiculous on me. But I'm, but, but. But I think we have to take care of ourselves even in a relationship so that we stay attractive for our partner and not put on 50 pounds because that doesn't serve our marriage. It doesn't serve us individually and it certainly, it doesn't serve our relationship. You know, we we owe it to our partner to also continually just look after our own health and well-being. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's so special if you can find a partner to grow with, like you were saying, like personal development, just being interested in in more depth and, and becoming the person, you know, that you can become with them by your side. And I love how you mentioned that your husband isn't as into personal development, because I often get questions from people asking like, what is it like, you know, Ben, my boyfriend, not really into meditation as much as me, personal development. And I say, it doesn't affect us because, you know, he does his own thing and grows in his own way and, you know, improves himself in his own way. And I'm doing that in my own way. And of course we influence each other, but we don't need to be the exact same, you know, to, to make this relationship work. And um, yeah, so it's really nice to hear that you too, you know, you don't need to be exactly the same and be interested in the exact same things. It's just, it's just, you're two different people and you're bettering each other's lives and your individuals um, separately. And then you can come together in a beautiful relationship. And I think that's the most important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> and, you know, if, if the person that you're with is exactly the same as you, that can have some problems, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's lovely having the yin and the yang. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. I would absolutely hate my partner if they were like me. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it wouldn't work out so well for us if my husband was like me. He's like this steady sort of guy and I'm like, woo. 
Same. <laughs> Literally the exact same. We have <laughs> mirrored relationship. My boyfriend is so steady and like grounded and, you yeah. know, very practical. And I'm just like, <laughs> over the place. yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So since, you know, the beginning, I really wanted to talk about stress and anxiety with you because it's something that so many of us deal with. And I would love your advice on this. Everyone listening would love your advice on this. How do you deal with stress Uh, and anxiety? You know, like in the uh, moment, in the heat of it, you know, you you get the email from someone at work telling you off or, you know, something happens and you just can't seem to control your emotions. Like, what do you do? Ah, great. Well, this actually links in. You said before, you know, the fake it till you make it and then... And then, and then, you know, how do we show up more confidently? This actually links in with managing stress too. And I was going to say intervening at, at, a, at a physical level. So stress, I actually, people can Google it. I write for Forbes, just how to stop being so stressed and my name, Margie Worrell, and they'll see the article I wrote, but um, which sort of went viral. But stress is all in your head. There is no such thing as stress in the world. There is just people having stressful thoughts. And then those stressful thoughts manifest in us physiologically. And if you keep having enough stressful thoughts, you'll grow a hernia or you'll or something else, you break out in a skin condition or whatever. So just recognizing it's not, there's no such, it's it's your reaction to your environment that's creating the stress. And I and I stress that point, pardon the pun. Because often we think, oh, no, it's just stressful. I have to be, this is stressful. It's, you know what, there are situations that will trigger that response in you, but actually you are creating the stress. That's why, you know, someone who's been working in an ER hospital for a long time, they don't get stressed out of their brain every day because they've learned how to manage what's going on around them. And as my dad used to say to me, as we go out fishing as a kid, um, he'd say, and we had a boat that was leaky and we'd sometimes just literally patch it up with some blue tack till we got back to the jetty. And dad said, well, you know, boats don't sink because of the water around them. They sink because of the water that gets in them. And so it's not what's going on around you. It's what is going on inside you and what you're letting in. And so starting with simply in your body, noticing you're going to have a shortness of breath. You're going to maybe be fidgety. You're going to be feeling uptight. You might be biting your nails, scratching, you know, noticing just that physical manifestation of of stress and simply taking 10 seconds to just stop and take a couple of big, deep, mindful breaths. You mentioned mindfulness a minute ago. That in itself can start to short circuit that stress response, you know, standing tall, putting your shoulders back, taking that big couple of breaths. If you can get outside in nature, go for a walk around the block, but it can literally kind of short circuit that where you can go into that, you know, downward stress spiral. So that's the first thing is to intervene at that physical level by just simply breathing because breathing brings you into the present moment. But recognizing that stress is, the thoughts we're having that where we where we don't where we assess that we don't have what it takes to deal with what we perceive is coming at us, whether it's going to come at us or not, but we perceive, oh, this I'm going into a job interview. I'm about to get on a stage. I'm, you know, I've got all this stuff going on in my work. My boyfriend is this is what's going on in my relationship, and he might leave or whatever. And so 
if you can just step back there and just go, all right, what is it I'm telling myself right now that's making me feel stressed? And, you know, as I, as I wrote in You've Got This, if you trusted that whatever happened, you could handle it, you would feel a lot less stressed. So a little mantra that could be, you know, I've got this. I've got this. You know, what's another belief you could tell yourself right now? And if you were literally standing tall, holding yourself like someone who's got this, so physically embodying that, and then just going, all right, I've got this. I can handle this. I can meet each moment as it arises. I don't have to solve all the problems of the world in the next day, but I can deal with whatever I'm faced with one hour at a time, one minute at a time. I can handle it. And literally slow your speech down, speak calmly, all of those things. You know, if you're speaking like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I've got so much on, I'm stressed. Like that's literally sending a message to your brain going, you should be stressed. So slow down your speech, lower your voice, stop talking about how stressed you are. And instead say to yourself, I've got this, I can handle it. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to repeat doing that. But it's going to just allow you to respond in a much more calm and creative and constructive way. You are amazing. I love hearing you speak about this. And even just you explaining how to calm yourself down, I feel more calm. It's crazy. <laughs> like watching you explain that, like, ah, you know, and because um, it, it is to be completely transparent with you, it's one thing I've been really struggling with daily. And, um, it's the stress and anxiety. You know, I'm about to launch my new meditation app, uh, this month and dealing with a team of over 20 people now that rely on me and I have a lot more responsibility and, you know, just a lot at stake here. It's been incredibly, you know, you say, don't talk about your stress. I'm not going to say it, but it's been the S word <laughs> and, um, and managing that it's, it has been a challenge, um, but slowing down and just practicing a little bit of discipline in the moment, you know, when you're feeling really overwhelmed, just practicing that tiny little inch of discipline, just to really take control of your body and mind. You know, when that does happen, it helps and it solves it almost instantly. But I love that. Yeah. Like little micro micro habits. But if every time you noticed it, you just like, I've got this. Yeah. But I want to just, I want to just call you out on something. You just said, I have to be honest, it's been stressful. You know, I I encourage you to just shift your language a little bit because our our words are powerful. Our words aren't aren't only descriptive, like, oh, it's a sunny day or uh, it's hot. They're actually generative as well. So if I say, oh, I'm stressed, it's really stressful, I'm really stressed, it's that's I'm literally creating stress. But if you simply say, I have been I have been feeling stressed or I've been responding in a stressful way. It's different than I'm stressed. One is a feeling that you're having and another is who you are. It's like saying so I'm right. a failure. No, you failed at something. You're so or, right. You're so, so right. Thank you for calling me out on that. Sometimes I have a friend once she said, oh, my God, it's just a nightmare. It's such a nightmare. Yeah. And, and I said, even that language, she's, me, she's actually creating a nightmare. She could say, I've got a lot on my plate. She was a single mom with four kids, the same age as my four kids. And she said, oh, my God, it's just such a nightmare. It's such a nightmare. And I said, you know, Lizzie, you've got a lot on your plate. Yeah. But 
but you can handle it. You can handle it. And I know myself with four kids and moving around the world. And last year I ended up being locked in Singapore. I had three kids in the United States, two of them who found themselves homeless when their schools closed their dorms. I mean, they they found places to stay. They weren't homeless on the street, but they kind of, they couldn't come to their parents because Singapore closed its borders. My husband got COVID, went to hospital, was gone for a month. I was locked into a quarantine for two weeks with my, one of my sons, my son that was left there. His name is Ben. He got COVID um, and, um, and I had three kids in the United States, two of which also had COVID and I couldn't get to them. I couldn't help them. Two of them didn't have anywhere, like had to find places to stay as their schools just said, everyone get out of the dorms and we're closing up. And my book, You've Got This, came out this, literally the same week and suddenly all my book tour was closed, cancelled, of course, and this is late March, early April last year. And and I just remember just giving myself permission. Mimi, I felt overwhelmed, as you would imagine. My husband was in hospital. They thought that COVID was in his lungs. It was like, it was it was a, a lot. lot going on, a lot going a lot on. on your plate. Yeah, and I just remember sitting down, like throughout the day. I, I write in a journal; it's one of my practices. But I Me also too. just wow. Kept, I kind of sorry to interrupt you. We have so much in common. Yeah, and I just kept <laughs> I kept sitting down, and I would breathe deeply. I like I, I literally felt like there was a, ch- a truck on my chest. <sighs> And I had to just keep breathing into this. My chest felt like it was so tight. And I just had to keep going, I've got this. Like right now I'm fine. I'm fine. Like in this moment I'm fine. I'm fine right now sitting in this chair, locked inside my apartment. (laughs) I'm fine. My kids, okay, they're fine. These families who I don't even know have said they'll take them in. They have a roof over their head. (laughs) They're fine. You know, and it was literally, I don't know how I'm going to get to America because I didn't know. And okay, I will figure this out. And I literally had to do that several times a day. I played really beautiful music. I had candles lit around me. I was in a small apartment locked in and I created this Zen den and I was just like, okay, one minute at a time, I've got this. And I grounded myself in self-certainty. I can handle this. I am I am bigger than any problem I face and I'll deal with it. And I, and, and you know what? I did deal with it. And and it was an incredibly empowering experience because when you go through a shit show in your life or a storm, your world gets pulled out from underneath you, sometimes you have to dig really deep into yourself. And when you dig deep, you discover within you is vast reserves of courage and resilience that you didn't even know you had. And so to anyone listening whether you're dealing with an overwhelming situation or you're feeling stuck, I would just really encourage you to look within yourself and realize that you have you have everything required to do what you want to do, to take the chance or to deal with whatever challenge is coming at you. And just don't try and think about six months or a year from now, just just one day at a time, you've got everything it takes. And just to step into that place of self-sufficiency and enoughness and uh, and really live from that place. So amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all this. It's incredible. <laughs> and this episode is so good. I can't wait for everyone to listen to it. I think they're going to absolutely love you and all of the tips that you give and just all the insight 
really actionable and just relatable, honestly, so relatable. So thank you so much, Dr. Margie. I appreciate your time so much. And where can everyone find you, buy your books, listen to your podcast, social media? Yeah. Well, my podcast, my, it's called the Live Brave Podcast and Live it's Brave. wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and my books, obviously they're all online everywhere, but if you go to, and I really encourage people, go to my website, margiewarrell.com. But if you do forward slash YGT for you've got this, I have a manifesto, a you've got this manifesto, and I wrote it for people who really need to practice living from that place of of self-trust and not self-doubt. And you can download a printer-friendly version. It's free and um, sign up for my newsletter as well, my Live Bravely newsletter. But I encourage people to get that and pin it up somewhere read it out, stick it in your journal. And Mimi, I encourage you to do the same. Um, I'll, I'll send you a copy because I think yes. you would really find it in, really, really empowering. I also am going to buy all your books. I can't wait. I'm like <laughs> dying to read new books right now. I've just finished my last one. So this perfect timing. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm so delighted that our paths have crossed and uh, that's the universe conspiring for us. Oh, I was actually about to ask you, like, but I thought maybe I won't get into this now because it's a whole other conversation. I was going to ask, like, are you like intuitive, spiritual? Like, what do you believe in universe wise? Because I feel like I can just sense that you, you know, there's something bigger to the world. I know we're at the end of the podcast, but I just. Oh, yeah. Well, there's I, you know, what I believe is actually in you've got this. There's a chapter in there, which is choose the path of faith over fear. And I share my spiritual belief system, but I have a very strong belief in a higher power that is it that is it for us. And whether whatever religious beliefs you may have or not have, which is totally fine, um, I just I really encourage people to connect to that aspect of our lives that's bigger than our physical, mental, or emotional, and transcends all of that. Because I, I believe that when we're connected to our spiritual selves, and I think we're all connected in that way too, um, that actually that's where we really get to show up in the world in a much bigger way because we realise that who we are is something way bigger. We're far more intelligent than just our, our brains. There's a whole higher intelligence at play. Okay, well, maybe we'll have to do another podcast on this one day because <laughs> I would love to hear more about your your beliefs on this. I, I couldn't resonate more. So yeah, thank you, awesome. Dr. Margie. Everyone go check her out on socials, her website. And yeah, hope you have an amazing rest of your day.